Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. I am back from my little one-week getaway with my childhood friend. Oh man, it did so much for me. (laughs) This whole starting to feel a bit better really began towards the beginning of our trip. My friend wanted to treat me to a relaxing day because she knew how crazy my life had been. So we drove down to by Lake Luzerne in Switzerland, took a cable car up a mountain and went to a spa there. It was so incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, They had one of these indoor outdoor thermal baths and you have a view of the whole Alps. What's funny is later on, we went for massages, and as we were doing that, a cloud enveloped the entire mountain, so we were just nowhere. And something about being in this massage on top of this mountain where I was nowhere in particular, I was just in a cloud. Like, I, it was honestly, it was a spiritual experience. I don't know if other people have spiritual experiences when they get massages, but I've only had, what, three in my life. They're usually a bit spiritual for me. <laughs> so oh, it was just such an incredible day. It really helped me release a lot of stress and reflect and accept a lot of things. What's funny is, I mean, that was a day trip. And yeah, it was really expensive, but I probably could have afforded it at any point if I decided I wanted to do it. But the thing is, I just like automatically take myself out of the running for things like that. When I hear about a spa on the top of a mountain in Switzerland, I just disqualify myself. I'm like, that's for other people. My friend suggesting this made me be like, oh, wait, yeah, of course we can do like there's there's not any barrier of admission other than money and in this case we were able to afford it so then there wasn't a barrier but I had some kind of barrier in my mind. I'm just sharing that to say that I think it's interesting sometimes how the solutions to our problem are within reach but we just sometimes need a friend to show us how to get there or to hold your hand along the way. And that all made me think of this week's episode and this week's guest. So Lindsay is 19 years old. She's from the U.S. and she is studying abroad. But not like studying abroad, but rather studying abroad. You know what I mean? It's super clear, right? (laughs) So she isn't doing a semester abroad through her university in the U.S., She actually is doing her entire degree abroad in the Netherlands. And we talk in this episode about how she came up with that idea because she doesn't have family there. No one really like told her this is something she could or should do. She just decided it and made it happen. It made me reflect on how I was at her age, which probably emotionally were quite similar. But for me back then, like I wanted to move far from home for college. I knew that, but I didn't even really conceptualize beyond the U.S. Not that I didn't know these places existed. It was just similar to this whole spa situation. Like I just I thought it was for other people. I didn't think I could just do that, even though I knew you can get visas and you can just do that. I I still something in me thought like, but that's not for me, right? That's that's for everyone else. So I studied abroad just for a month in college. I think about that so much. It was probably 10 or 11 years ago now. And I just remember having this feeling when I was leaving of like, I'll be back. I'm not exactly sure how. I'm not convinced it's going to be exactly here in this specific town or country, but back to Europe. 
And then I went back to my normal life and didn't really think about it anymore until <laughs> when I met my ex-boyfriend who was part German and living in Germany. I think that seed really helped me lean into the idea of moving to Germany. I like to think that I'm this strong, fierce, independent woman and I could have done it at any time on my own. And I, I do think it's true. I think I had those skills and that ability, but I don't know if I knew that I had those skills and that ability. I think I really needed a little nudge. All of that background makes me that much more impressed by Lindsay. We talk about what it is like to get your degree at a Dutch university. And we also just talk about who she is and, and how she got herself to this point and, and what it's feeling like now that she's a year and a half into her degree. So let's hear from Lindsay. Enjoy. I'm Lindsay. I'm originally from the U.S. I'm from Michigan. I am currently living in the Netherlands in Utrecht, and I've been living here for a year and a half now. Oh, I didn't realize it was Utrecht. I love that city. I mean, I was there for like two hours. I can't say I love it, but yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> it's beautiful. For me, it's like Amsterdam, but like without the tourists. Yeah. I mean, of course, the first question then is, how the heck did that happen? Like, how did you go from growing up in Michigan to being like, I'm going to go to the city in the Netherlands that probably most people around me have never even heard of? <laughs> well, the Netherlands was never my goal or anything. More than anything, I've always just been a really curious person. And I think throughout the course of just my life, I was always a reader, always reading about other places and things. And then I started learning French when I was... 13. So at that point, this idea suddenly unlocked to me. I was like, wait, I can live in another country. So that year, when I was 13, I started researching how to do a homestay. So how to Whoa. spend a year in high school in another country, but that actually never ended up working out. So I kind of put it on the back shelf until I started applying for colleges. So I was 16 then. So I started applying to all these US universities I guess the schools give you a lot of guidance, uh, the high schools, and they give you this whole trajectory, all the standardized tests you have to take, how do you apply for the common application. During that time, I was also looking at exchange programs within U.S. universities. But there was this part of me that I knew that I just wanted to go straight away abroad. But that thought terrified me. So I didn't pursue it until probably the fall of my last year of high school. And I started looking into different degrees in Europe. And I just ended up in the Netherlands because my degree was taught in English. And the only places where it's taught in English was here in the UK. And the UK is so expensive for internationals. Oh my God, all of that is like so adventurous and brave. I don't know. I, I also started taking French around the same age as you. And believe me, the thought never occurred to me that like you could just live somewhere else. <laughs> I think I maybe understood that you could visit France, I suppose. But like, it's already really impressive that at that age, you were like, really putting it all together and, and also taking action to some extent. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like crazy thinking back. I was like, who gave <laughs> me that idea? I don't know. It's all those books, man. They're dangerous. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I'm assuming the Netherlands is much cheaper. Is that true? <laughs> um, I don't think it's as cheap as Germany. I know Germany is a lot cheaper for internationals in some cases, but right now I'm paying probably equivalent of, or I guess my parents are. I'm very lucky that they're paying for my school. It's about the same as in-state tuition. So pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, and you said that you were looking for a specific program. So I'm, it sounds like you already knew back in high school what you wanted to study. I I guess I thought I knew. And now, <laughs> look, looking, looking back at my decision, I probably would have done something different. But I took a course in linguistics the summer going into my junior year of high school. And I kind of fell in love with it. I mean, it makes sense given that I love languages and words and you can really inquire a lot of things in linguistics because it's such a new field. So I kind of fell in love with it. So I decided that I was going to look for linguistics programs. There aren't a lot of universities or countries in Europe that teach it in English. So mm-hmm. I kind of had limited options. There's actually a program, a master's level program in the University of Freiburg, where I live in Germany, that's in English for linguistics. So in case oh. you do keep wanting wanting to keep going in the field, uh, that's an option. But you, it sounds like you're kind of second guessing that. Uh, I enjoy it, but it's. I don't think I will pursue it after I finish my bachelor. So what I wanted to do is kind of go through, um, I'm going to draw from my college experience. I think it's relatively representative of like a traditional U.S. college experience. And yeah, I wanted to share like sort of a, a tidbit or, or a fact about the college experience as I had it in the U.S. and then see how it is in the Netherlands. And actually, one of the first things I was thinking about was... Well, well, I guess for context, so I went to the College of Charleston in South Carolina, which is like, this is going to be some information that is going to make more sense to U.S. listeners, but basically it's a public university, so it's a state school, um, but I was paying out-of-state tuition, and it's in Charleston proper, uh, which is a pretty small, I mean, now it's a bigger city, but it's a pretty small city, but directly on the coast, so like I could just walk to the ocean, which was cool. And honestly, 90% of the reason I chose to go there. <laughs> and like a traditional US college experience is four years. So um, bringing me to my first point, the first year and a half to even two years, most people are taking the same courses and they're called general education requirements. And this is maybe a bit more heavy handed in liberal arts, but my school or my path was liberal arts. So you take like a couple credits in kind of everything, a couple science credits, a couple math credits, history credits, etc. Then theoretically, after your second year or in your second year, you declare your major and say, okay, this is what I'm going to study. And then you start getting more into the coursework. But I'm wondering, do you also have this sort of general education requirement phase? No, you don't. That's honestly one of the things that drew me to uh, studying in Europe. Just the thought of not having to take like a physics course again. Or... <laughs> yeah, so it's only three years and you go straight into the courses for your degree. I find it really nice. I guess later, like in your second and third year, you have a bit more free space to try and do a minor that you like or just take any extra classes outside of it. But they're not required, I guess. So one thing with the the way it's built in the U.S., I think part of why they require these these courses is so that people can try a little bit of everything and then have a better sense that they can decide, okay, I'm doing this major and there's a lower chance theoretically that they'll change. But honestly, the way I experienced it, and I, I later worked at a university for a little bit, oh my gosh, so many people changed their major and then they end up staying for five years or even six years. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is in the U.S., you can change your major pretty easily. 
but you just pay more and you stay longer. <laughs> so it's a bit of a pro and a con. Another really key aspect to college life in the U.S. is um, most people are living in dorms at least for the first or second year. So that means like you're sharing a room with one other person. You all have these like identical furniture <laughs> setups and you might even share a bathroom with like four or up to eight people um, or I don't know, probably even more. And you live on campus. So like your, you know, your classes are just a short walk away. Most of those rooms don't have a kitchen. So you have a, a meal plan where you're going to like a cafeteria and like eating all of your meals prepared for you. And that is all part of the expenses that are room and board. How is that for you? Do you also have a dorm or do you have like a normal apartment? It's kind of in between for me. Um, I live in a building with mostly international students. It's like a ton of little studio apartments. So I do live alone, but I'm also in a place where there's a lot of students. But it's also this housing situation in the Netherlands is really difficult. I think it's the same in Germany, but it's so crowded, so densely populated in this country that it's basically impossible to find a place to live. The university does have some housing like around the main campus, but it's really hard to get. And in those situations, you do have housemates and other people live in apartments with uh, that they just share with a ton of people or people find a studio. It really just depends on what you can find more than anything. And your studio has some kind of a kitchen? Yes. It has a kitchen, a bathroom, and table, and a bed, like everything within 19 square meters. Wow. <laughs> Practical. <laughs> you don't have to walk far. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's really interesting already. A, you're living alone. B, you have a kitchen. But I feel like those are two pretty big things. Do you enjoy living alone so far? I guess at the start, I did not because I would get really lonely, especially the first year when I was really just trying to make connections with people. But now I'm at a point where I do have more social outlets and friends and stuff. So I do find it nice to come home and have no people to be around because I am quite an introvert too. So once I have like all my social energy expended for the day, it's nice to come home to just my own space. So we talked about earlier, a fairly common thing for students in the U.S. is to at least consider some kind of study abroad situation. So most people toy with the idea. Some people go for it. And there's like a million different formats that you could study abroad. Typically, this means you're still paying your U.S. school tuition, but you have a semester in like Rome. Do you theoretically have the opportunity to study abroad? No, I actually am studying abroad next fall in France. Could you have done an exchange to the U.S.? Yeah, I actually did consider that because I thought it would be interesting to see how I felt about it. <laughs> I was really just toying with the idea because I thought it would be hilarious because I would have no idea what's going on. But I have to explain <laughs> that I'm still an American citizen. So I, I decided against it, but I was thinking about that for a second. Another big aspect of the college experience. I feel like this is this part is well documented in Hollywood films. <laughs> Honestly, in my experience, a lot of what you see in the Hollywood films is kind of true. I mean, like the partying, the social scene, the fraternities, sororities. Like, So for instance, where I went to college, a huge part of life there was fraternities and sororities. Like they had their own houses. They threw these big parties. They wore matching outfits constantly. I'm saying they and not we because I was not a part of it at all. I had no interest in engaging in that. And 
it honestly freaked me out a little bit. But it was definitely like in the air. And yeah, I've been to like a couple frat parties in my day. Um, I was with some fellow weirdos. And so we ended up mostly at like frisbee parties, like ultimate frisbee parties. I love I don't that. Know. The whole thing was so silly. But I just remember being 18 and like walking a couple miles to get to this ultimate frisbee house, you know, my first real party and like had my first drink of alcohol from, you know, in a red solo cup from a keg of beer. It was terrible beer. And there were just a bunch, I mean, it was just exactly what you imagine, like a bunch of like sloppy drunk children, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and like all of that for me was really true with like, you know, exploring romantic relationships and like diving into this world of like alcohol there was a lot of like all of a sudden I had a lot of not personal contact with drugs but like they were around me in a way that they would never were before just because of these like parties and stuff and some of the parties had these crazy like themes you know like I remember the one was pimps and hoes which I don't even know if that's like if those terms are like polite or acceptable terms anymore I don't know but like all of it I guess what I'm trying to say is like kind of as bizarre and like raunchy as Hollywood portrays it to be. (laughs) So how does that all compare to your experience in the Netherlands? Oh my gosh, it's so different. (laughs) Well, okay, so in August, when like the US colleges already started, I was still there for a week. And it was welcome week. So I stayed with some of my friends at the University of Michigan. I was so confused by all the frat parties. <laughs> I went to I, I went to a few of them. I was like, this is literally like the movies. And all the themes were, it was, I don't know. It was so weird. As someone who's studying linguistics, they have all these terms and vocabulary for all the things like you have at frat parties. Apparently there's like a fracket, which is like the jacket you wear that you can leave at the frat party. Like oh if you God. lose it, it's fine. <laughs> I was like, this is so culturally different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as I was saying about, I guess, the Netherlands, they do kind of have their own version of fraternities and sororities, not to the extent to like the U.S. systems, but they do have these more formal like student groups. And especially the guys, you see them walking around in suits around the city. And they do have things like hazing and stuff that they've had to actually have stricter laws because someone died, I think, a oh, few geez. years ago. Um, I could be wrong about that but they do have some version of that it's just less I don't know less prominent I guess and because there isn't often like a centralized campus where everyone lives it's not always in your face I guess how old are you now I'm 19 and a half so yeah that's also interesting because like in the U.S. you still legally couldn't drink in the Netherlands you can or you could do you feel like that makes a difference in your I don't want to call it everyday experience that implies that you're like out going crazy partying every day but like you know in like your normal experience does that occur to you as a difference it was really weird when I first moved there was an introduction week where they just had a ton of groups of students and some mentor groups the very first activity they were just like giving us beer and I thought it was I was so weirded out by it I was like this feels illegal <laughs> yeah uh, and like the first time I bought alcohol, I was like, oh my gosh, this this is so, I, this feels wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, now I'm used to it. Like I work in a restaurant and often we have like a drink after work. Like I don't drink very often, but when I do, it just feels normal. I mean, there are still a lot of people who are unbalanced with it, but typically because it is a European university, even like the internationals have had a few years of like drinking experience before they came here. So 
some people are still wild. I mean, we're still university students, but I, yeah, I wouldn't say to the extent where it's like, because it's illegal, you drink more. What I wanted to ask about next is, I guess, getting away from these comparisons of like typical U.S. to untypical what you're doing, and then hear more about what it's been like for you. I mean, I guess first I should ask, are there any other differences that we haven't mentioned yet that like really jump out to you where you're like, wow, living this is like completely different than what my friends back home are going through? The best way to summarize it would be, I mean, obviously everyone's experience is different, but the general, I guess, atmosphere is, I guess, in the Netherlands, at least, I think in most of Europe, more like you're an adult who also studies versus in the US, I think it's more like I'm a student at whatever university. I think it's more a focus because most of your life is on that one campus versus here where you may study, but you may also live in another city or you, you're you working some random other place. I think that's the biggest difference, I would say. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Like student is almost like your job, your identity. It's like its own phase of life in the U.S., yeah, I mean, obviously, most of your life still revolves around being a student. But I think just because there's less of a focus on belonging to a specific like university, you don't have like that pride of being from somewhere. Like I know a lot of people who take courses at different universities, like two different universities. And it's not, it's, I guess it's not so much as part of your identity, like where you go to college. Okay, I'm re- really curious to, to talk about your relationship with friends and family back home through all this. I mean, I can only imagine what your family said when you said, hey, by the way, I know I'm applying to normal like U.S. or like in-state schools, but also the Netherlands. <laughs> how did all that go? And, and how have your parents, your family reacted to all of this? Well, firstly, I'm so thankful that my family supports me in what I'm doing right now. I know a lot of people, their parents would have just said no right away. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, the biggest reason I'm here is because I'm so persistent and or stubborn, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, I kind of been leaning towards study abroad. So I had applied to a few programs that where you spend some time in the US and sometimes then the other half abroad or things like that. So it's already kind of a gradual process. They knew I wanted to live abroad. When I started bringing up just going straight abroad, not even going to U.S. university, my parents were like obviously concerned about me and started suggesting, you know, why don't you just do like a study abroad program? There are places where you can go for a full year or something. But I was just so stubborn and I had my mindset on going abroad for my bachelor's. So <laughs> once I had fa- once I had found where I was going, I think I approached them. And then I, with the two universities in the Netherlands, I didn't even say like any other option. I just said, I'm either going here or here in the Netherlands. It's so funny. My parents, when I was looking, they told me, um, I, I don't remember why they said this. Maybe they had a feeling back then, but they said before I even started looking, like, your limitations of of what we want you to look at is like up to this tuition cost and it has to be in the continental United States. (laughs) I think they said it jokingly, but it ended up being actually like, I took that as like a fact and then limited myself to that. And yeah, I can only imagine if I'd been like, "Mm, actually, (laughs) no, 
I mean, it, I just I remember also back then, like everyone would go to like Target <laughs> with their parents and buy extra long sheets for their dorm bed. And oh, yeah, you know, like everyone involved sort of knew the routine or like could could find out the routine in terms of like, how do I help my kid get ready for college? And I, I mean, that must have been completely different. <laughs> There's not. Oh, yeah. It was a long process. <laughs> yeah. 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 Looking back, I'm honestly amazed how I did that. Um <laughs> <laughs> just like like trying to figure out the whole immigration process and like all the visas and taxes and all the stuff in advance and especially trying to find a house here it was impossible because I was trying to find a house not, well not living in the country wow. and honestly it was so scary I think I was just over my head in information that I didn't even think about the fact that I was moving <laughs> I can relate to that very deeply right now <laughs> when you came over did your parents or family come with you no, I actually flew there by myself. We did have a friend's friend who lives in the city and he helped me out the first day. He drove me to Ikea and we got some furniture and then I had dinner at his house. So he was really helpful that first day. But other than that, after that, I was basically on my own. Oh my goodness. That's so brave. Did you freak out ever? Um. I don't know. I think the first, well, the first day at least, I was really just running on adrenaline. I remember so distinctly waking up the next day, like the first night in my apartment, I wake up in the morning and I'm just thinking, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> like what? I, I'm living here now. Almost right away, I had things I was doing. I was doing some student introduction weeks and I had things planned. So I was just I just jumped straight in without really thinking about it. Yeah, that's good. I was also thinking, yeah, in the US, you have like welcome week, you have all of the, because college is such a little microcosm in and of itself, like it exists as its own unit and entity, like there are full events and it's really clear how to start, you know, and what to do. But I have the feeling like since, as you said, there's not like a central location that everything is happening in, like there's not as much of that sort of built-in plan although you said there was like um new student events yeah there they do have a few things but it's definitely not this huge planned out schedule for weeks like it is in the u.s and how has it been like do you have a sort of rhythm for how often you visit home well i've been visiting for the christmas holidays and then also in the summer the summer is mostly because i have to work if i tried to work here i can only work a certain amount of hours per week. So if I want to work in the summer, I have to go back to the US. And then let's talk about friendships. I mean, if we look at the side of like, you know, your friends from high school or your hometown, you know, already going to college is a huge transition and everyone has to kind of learn how to be long distance friends or like if you even stay friends with this person or, you know, how that all works, let alone you're halfway across the world. <laughs> like how has it been relating to everyone who is having those other like kind of more common experiences um it's definitely been a bit well a bit difficult it's been quite difficult um the thing is so I have always had I guess a very close circle of friends so I tend to make a friend and have them for years so I think compared to some other people where you may have I guess, more surface level friends, which is totally cool. I think those bonds would be a bit harder to break, but 
I think the fact that I do have really close friends that I've known for five plus years, we still been able to stay in contact. Actually, my best friend lives in another state. So I'm from Michigan. She's from Ohio. So I lived in Ohio for one year and we became best friends. And since then, we've had a long distance friendship. But for my friends back in Michigan, it has been a bit difficult because we really spent most of our time together throughout all of high school. And most of them do go to the same university now. So, oh no, I feel it left out sometimes. But. Yeah, they're off like having not only similar experiences, but like literally this, like they're together having those experiences. Yeah, I mean, they're not always together now. They have found different interests, but yeah, they do see each other quite often. I don't know. That sounds sad, honestly. Like it sounds just difficult to, to go through. It was really hard for me at the start, at least like a few months in. So I think the first few months I was living here, I was kind of in this like honeymoon phase where everything was new and then everything seemed crashing down and I missed my friends and I missed everything. It still is a little hard now, but I think we found ways to communicate consistently, even if it is just like Snapchatting each other, Um, which honestly, I know social media gets a bad rap, but... It is really convenient when you're trying to stay in contact with people, especially when you can't always have a physical conversation. Yeah. I do have sometimes trouble relating to people, especially when I go back. I do notice a lot of things where I just don't fit in as well. And I don't know if it's because I've been living here for a while or because I'm just changing as a person. It is difficult. I do get a sense that I just can't relate to them culturally just because I am having a very different experience. Yeah, just thinking, I was just thinking too, like I experienced around the same age as you, like my group of friends, my like tight-knit group of friends, we were nine people, which to be fair, was always unsustainable. (laughs) That's like way too many people. But um, actually eight of us are still as close as back then, but we lost one and that happened at, yeah, basically exactly your age. And it was just like, we all went off to college and had different experiences and a lot of us grew in similar directions and one of us grew in a different direction and it was really sad and confusing and weird but it was just also like looking back and like yeah I mean I guess that's maybe a part of it too it's like this is how I don't know this is the first time in your life where you're on your own and you get to choose what to do with your time and who you want to be and and how you want to spend your life find out different answers for different people that you might have known for a long time. I'm not trying to say that's what's happening with your friends. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that definitely, it, like, it could happen. And it probably will happen to some people, too. But that's life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. How's it been making friends there? It was hard. It's been hard. It's way harder than I expected. I think because I'm just used to having really deep friendships that, Obviously, you cannot build that deep of a friendship in a year and a half. My first year, so last year, I really struggled because I almost immediately, like a few weeks into moving here, I joined a track team and I was going to track practice three, four times a week, going to competitions on the weekends. And most of them are Dutch. I kind of discovered that I did not really fit in with them. It took me just until like a few months ago to kind of take a step back from that to actually focus on building relationships. Now I'm kind of investing more time into the relationships I kind of built outside of running and also, yeah, just trying to connect myself with as many people as possible. And it's been really helping. When you look at it all, I mean, you're like basically at this halfway point 
have you had any moments where you second guessed this decision? No, I've n- I've never second guessed it actually. I've had like my highest highs and my lowest lows, but I know that like throughout all of that, even when I've been really just at rock bottom, like I've been homesick and just felt so lost. At those points, that's where I learned so much about myself and really just how to self-regulate, I guess, where even if I called my parents, if they were available, they wouldn't really understand what I'm going through because I never had this experience. So I kind of had to find ways for myself to, how do I react to situations? How do I know when to put myself out there? And how do I know when to just relax, not go? And I don't think I could have learned a lot of these things if I hadn't been here. You sound like someone who who reads a lot, who thinks a lot. I'm wondering, maybe I'm, I'm definitely either projecting a little or just wondering if we have this in common because something I've found with living abroad is like, I am just inherently different and odd to the people around me. And some days I really hate that, but a lot of times I feel really comfortable with that. And I'm someone who like where I grew up, I also felt odd and different, but for no good reason. <laughs> so <laughs> in some ways this isolation almost can be comfortable, can be nice. Does that relate with you at all? Oh yeah, for sure. I never really, I guess, yeah, that was one of my like driving factors to move out of the U.S. because I never felt like I fit in. Um, and coming from the Midwest, I never felt like I fit in within the culture. I was always in a position where I wanted to be very blunt when I talked. I wanted to be really intellectual, but that's not often appreciated, I guess, in conversation. Yeah, I've always kind of felt like the odd one out sometimes. And yeah, moving here has definitely helped with that, I guess. I guess just getting new perspectives. Yeah. I mean, now you're definitely the odd one out. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there's, there's something nice about that. Yeah, and, and I guess the last thing I'm wondering is when you look forward the next year and a half and then and then question mark, um, what thoughts do you have? Do you think you'll stay abroad, move somewhere new abroad, move back home? I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> ideally I'd like to stay abroad. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do if I will go straight into like a master's degree, but I would love to stay abroad. At this point, I don't really want to go back to the US. I mean, that could change in the future, but I think it'd be a very hard adjustment for me to go back to, especially Michigan, where I guess in a weird sense, where I have so much support, not that that's a bad thing, but because I'm used to having been being able to do everything by myself and figure everything out by myself. Even when I go back, it feels weird having people do things for me. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I think I would love to stay abroad. I don't know where. Yeah. Well, you've got time to figure it out and and plenty of experiences to gain between then and now where the path will the path will reveal itself slash you'll find it <laughs> over time, but it's it's cool to hear that it it sounds like this is all still a beginning for you and who knows who knows what comes next. Unfortunately, it is time to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment which is called Zack Zack Zack. It is a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Yes. What is your favorite Dutch word? Gezellig. And what does that mean? Gezellig is like 
there's no good translation for it. It's like cozy. It's similar to like the Scandinavian word Hegel. So it's just uh, this general thing of like coziness, I guess. And that's really useful. You can It can be used to describe like an experience you have with someone or an environment. I imagine that in this time you, you've traveled around the Netherlands a little bit. Uh, what's one place that you would recommend people consider visiting? I think they should visit Utrecht. I mean, I'm a bit biased because I lived here. But honestly, because I think most people go to the Netherlands, see Amsterdam. Utrecht is like a 20, 30 minute train ride. And it's just like Amsterdam, but a bit smaller, a bit more, doesn't smell like weed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like 10 euros to get there. So I would recommend that. You don't have to go very far, but it's a new place to visit for a day. And finally, what is the last thing that you consumed in terms of like movie, TV, music, book that you just really enjoyed and would recommend? Ooh, I would say the book, um, it's called Under the Whispering Door. It's kind of this, this dialogue about what it means to live, I guess. So it, it starts with this this guy who dies and he kind of exists as this spirit. And as he exists as this ghost, the spirit, that's where he actually learns to live. You've totally sold me on this book. The title alone is so cool. And that description. Well, I want to say a really, really big thank you for coming on to the show. It was really, really cool to hear about your life, the decisions you've made and how you've made it all work. I'm, I'm really impressed and excited for you. And I'm, I'm glad that we did this. Yeah, thank you so much. It was lovely. Thanks one more time to Lindsay for coming on to the show. If you're not subscribed to this podcast already, go on to whatever app you're listening to it through and hit subscribe. If you really want to make my day, you can leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or a couple other channels, which I have linked in the show notes. I've also linked where you can find me. So you can follow me on Instagram at the expatcast and you can find me online at theexpatcast.com. As always, I want to thank Amy Lungi Art for the logo. She's on Instagram at waxwaynebk. And I want to thank Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with a world-famous NPR reporter turned expat in Germany. I am a proud NPR nerd, and so I am very pumped about this one. <laughs> Till then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.